and uh, I, I do wish to get into prayer. And as I get into prayer, I want to ask that you would join with me. Um, I want to say that, you know, I've really been getting attacked and lately uh, spiritually. And I believe it's for a reason. <clears throat> I believe that um, coming on here has a lot to do with it. I believe that our destiny, our purpose, um, or the things that we commit to God, we will be attacked for. We will be attacked for the things that we commit to the Lord. And um, I believe that the enemy would love to attempt to hinder what God would have spoken to you. And so as a consequence, you know, I, I get attacked. So I want to ask that we would join in prayer that the Lord would give me the strength. And yes, proclaiming his word requires strength. Whenever we proclaim, whenever we do something for him, it requires strength from him. It requires strength from him and by him. If he doesn't come in power, then there's really, as I've said before, there's really no use. There is no use to join together. I, I Church is the last place I want to be if, if God is not present and God does not speak. I don't want to hear things about him. I want to hear from him. And uh, so um, Paul says, uh, we thank God continually for when you received the word of God, what you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God that is effectually at work in those who believe. So he was thanking God continually for the church of Thessalonica for when they received the word of God, they accepted it, not as man's words, but as God's very own words. <clears throat> and Paul says, we don't treat the word of God with, with deception. But in, in, in his sight, we proclaim his truth. And so I, I once again, would, would ask us, please let us join in prayer. See, I don't want this to be another, another meeting. I don't want this to be another meeting. I don't want this to be just a Bible study. And neither should you want it to be just, quote, a Bible study. You might say, well, what's wrong with the Bible study? Because there are plenty of Bible studies that proclaim a God that is not present, that proclaim a Christ that is not there. And, and I, I don't know if if it's more insulting to say that you don't need God outright or to proclaim a God that, that you really, you proclaim a God that, that has power and don't actually believe at the end of the day that he will come through. It, it, it's proclaiming it. Like the Bible says, Jesus speaks of the Pharisees and he says, you know, um, they, they worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. And so <clears throat> I want to ask that 
I want to ask that God would speak. And I want you to join with me. I want you to join with me. I this is the word that we are we are longing for. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that the 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 very heavens were crafted and and and, shape, and and shaped and formed. The Bible says by the word of His power, and by that very word, demons bow and they tremble. You know, demons often have more sense than us Christians. They're more in tune with the reality of God's power than us. But let us pray. And so if you can, eliminate all distractions. And I want us to press in. I know this isn't a prayer meeting, but I want us to press in. Jesus always fills hungry hearts. The Holy Spirit always comes and is, is, is looking for a heart that is hungry. That is looking for a heart that actually wants him. Father, we, <clears throat> we come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, and I, I recognize, Father, my powerlessness. I recognize, Lord, my utter inability, Father, to communicate anything eternal with power to those to whom ha they have believed on you, Lord. God, I don't want, Father, to stand in any position assuming, God, that I can do this by myself. Your word says, O oh Lord, that apart from you, I can do nothing. Your word says to you belongs glory, strength, power, and might forever and ever. Father, would you come into this meeting? Would, would you come, O oh Holy Spirit, and begin to convict the hearts of your people? Would you begin could comfort the hearts of your people would you begin to anoint my lips yet again lord would you begin to imbue me with power from on high would you begin to infuse me with your grace to accomplish lord what only you can accomplish by your holy spirit god would you begin lord god to remove the scales from our eyes would you begin to impart clarity would you begin oh lord to impart truth into the minds and the hearts of your people would you begin to accomplish lord what you alone can accomplish through your double-edged sword through your word father that discerns the intents and the motives of the hearts as david said it is your word that brings me comfort in my affliction so father i ask god that you would bring comfort to those that are in any affliction lord your word says that your word father comforts and it's it's like healing balm it's like honey <clears throat> to the embittered soul and it sweetens the soul your word the bible says is perfect and upright it, it, it gives illumination to the soul father i pray that today and, and and for some lord in other parts of the world tonight would be of eternal significance lord i pray god that you would command attention to your word i pray lord god that you would seize and you would captivate our wills i pray that you would empower us for service i pray lord god that the things that are in our lives father god would be broken by the empowerment of your word i pray that things lord god would fall off by the power of your word i pray that you would begin to cleanse us i pray that you would begin to strengthen us i pray that you oh lord would continue to infuse us lord with grace and mercy and good fruits in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord God, I just come against anything that would attempt to come against this word, Lord. 
Father, I pray for a solemn atmosphere. Lord, even now, Father, we cannot hide from your word. Father, I pray that no mind would leave interpreting this meeting as something that man has concocted or formed. But they would understand you are present. God, I, I do ask that you be present. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. I come against, Lord God, anything that would resist your presence, would resist your spirit, Lord. We resist it and we renounce it. And we invite your spirit, Lord, and say, you are welcome. You are Lord of this place, and you are Lord of these people. Grant liberty. Grant freedom from bondage. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. May your presence come. Spirit of God. I want us to wait a minute as, as, uh, as I close in this prayer. I want us to wait a minute. Elevate your, elevate your understanding to God. May you become cognizant of God, realizing a realization of his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Spirit of God. Come, O Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Empower this word, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Again, we will um we will be taking a look at Psalm uh 32. And I want to read through this psalm. And hopefully the Lord would grant us strength to receive. <clears throat> it says, blessed, beginning at verse 1, it says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. I want to stop there, and I understand that this is Hebrew. But in the Greek, the word blessed is the word makarios, and it, it means happy is the man. Like, And he's happy because he's whole. He's blessed. He, he's considered, it's not the sort of um, fleshly happiness that comes as a result of you being told you got a gift card to your favorite store or, you know, you, you're you going to go out to eat to your favorite place. This is the sort of happiness that the Lord's Spirit provides. It's a sort of blessedness that can be conferred to you even in times of, of, of poverty, even in times of weeping, even in times of distress. How do I know this? Jesus says, blessed is the man who weeps. Blessed are those who mourn. So even in loss, you can be blessed. Because the way that God functions the way that God operates is contrary to the way that the world operates. The world says that you are blessed if you have a lot of money. The Lord says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. 
the the, the world says blessed are you and I, i'm kind of taking that phrase and and kind of using it here not not that one is truly blessed but if they're quote blessed by the world standards but blessed is the man who's rich or blessed is the man who has popularity but jesus says blessed are you when you're reviled for my name blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name look at the beatitudes in matthew chapter 5 he says blessed is the man blessed is the one blessed is the one right who's persecuted who's reviled who's marginalized who's outcast who goes through tribulation, who goes through trial, who's attacked by the devil. Blessed is the one who um, others do not regard. But the, notice, though, the counterpart that, that is spoken about in Luke, he says, woe unto you whose laughter is now, for there will come a time when you mourn. Woe unto you, for all men speak well of you. And so did they do of the same regarding the prophets of all. They always spoke well of these false prophets. But he says, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. The Bible says in um, John, First uh, John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that he is a God in the Psalms ready to forgive. The Bible says in Micah chapter 7, uh, verse 19, he says uh, that, that the God is, is a God who delights to show mercy. He will pardon all of our sin and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea, never to be brought up again. I don't know if you know, but we don't know very much about the sea. And it's very deep. The depths of, of the sea is, is, is something that, that man cannot probe entirely. Even with all of our technology, we don't know the, the entire depths of the sea. We, we haven't reached that far. We've gone all the way to the moon. I mean, unless, of course, some of us are conspiracy theorists and we think that's all fabricated. <laughs> but in any case, we haven't gone all the way to the depths of the sea. But yet the Bible says that the Lord casts and he hurls all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. In other words, he tosses them behind his back and, and, and he doesn't record them. He doesn't remember them. You know, what I, what I think is so marvelous about the Lord is the Bible says he remembers our tears. He bottles our tears. He regards our concerns. He records every single one of our cares. But with regards to the things that have insulted him, the things that have offended him, the things that have brought him grief are all things that he has forgiven. He's forgiven them all. No matter how bad you were. No matter how filthy you were, no matter how corrupt your heart was, no matter how criminal you were toward the Lord and toward man, God has forgiven every ounce of your sin. All of it. All of it. And some of us, some of us, see, here's, I want to, I'm saying this prophetically. I, I feel the impression of the Holy Spirit even as I'm saying this. I'm about to say this is you some of you in this group you are blessed but you don't know it. What do I mean by that? Is you are forgiven but you don't sense it. God considers you blessed in the courtroom of heaven while you yourself do not. You're still replaying 
you know, it's, it, it, it's, uh, you know, kind of throw a, use a throwback analogy. You're using VH, VHS tapes and you're rewinding it <laughs> and you're putting it back and you're replaying the same old images. Not because the Lord is replaying that. See, do you think the Lord wants to continue to replay things in your mind? Like it wasn't good enough the first time that brought you sorrow. You want to know the devil's schemes? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, when they cast it, when they excommunicated a, a, a sinning brother for committing incest, and he wasn't repenting, so they excommunicated him. Well, what happened is he came to his senses, and that's what excommunication is intended to do because excommunication is a biblical thing. If a church doesn't practice it, it's unbiblical, and, and the pastor should be excommunicated. <laughs> but it, it, we should be practicing that, not not you know flippantly like, oh, get out of here, but through a, a protocol that Jesus has given, you know, one, and if they don't repent, then bring two or three, and then if they don't repent and you plead with them, then you bring them before the church and you plead with them. If they still don't, then you excommunicate them. Well, that's what happened with this brother. He was proud about committing incest. And, but what happened was he came to his senses and he repented, and then Paul, and then what happens is Paul actually instructs them to welcome him back. And now they don't want to listen. First, they were they were flippant about his sin. They were they were just kind of parading it, and they were boastful about it. Like I don't know how you're doing that in church, but that's what they were doing. I mean, the Church of Corinthian was pretty jacked up. Paul says you actually meet for your for the worse. That's what he says in his own words. I mean, if this group met for the worse, I, I, after at a certain point, I'm like, oh, man, Lord, like, help me. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go to church today. <laughs> but but what happened was, is he was going through godly sorrow. And from Paul's understanding that godly sorrow had run its course, and he says, welcome him back lest he be consumed by excessive sorrow, for we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. So what's the devil's schemes? Excessive sorrow. He's either going to want to bring us to a place to where we do not sorrow over our sin, or otherwise, if you do sorrow after a godly fashion, he wants to immobilize you. He wants to destabilize you. He wants to make you disabled. He wants to make you lame in the spirit. When I say lame, I don't mean like lame is in the sense like, you, you know, you, you're not cool, but lame in the sense you can't go anywhere. He wants to get you to that place to where you're stuck by this paralyzing excessive sorrow see the thing is god's sorrow uh is always intended to bring us to a place not keep us in a place so if you feel yourself paralyzed saying i cannot go to christ because my sin is so great then it's probably because the devil's speaking lies to your mind how great would that logic be, uh, be how great would that logic be useful for people who are literally on their on their death's bed and they say you know i'm kind of i'm too sick to really go to the doctor at this point or like i got gangrene i know that the doctors have antibiotics but i just i think it's better that i just wallow in this in this bed here 
And, and see, the thing is, that's exactly what the devil wants because it leads to death. It leads to our spiritual walk, our spiritual lives becoming worse off. Now, how often the logic that the ill logic that the devil provides for us is the same logic that we would not use in the natural. But yet we apply it to spiritual things and we believe it when it comes to spiritual things. See how crafty he is. But Paul says we are not ignorant of his devices. We know what he's up to. So if you're in a place where you said, I've confessed my sins and I've laid it at the blood of Christ and you still have guilt, it isn't because your guilt has not been removed by the Father. It's that you have already, you've re-accepted what you have intended to lay on him what you've intended to submit to him. It's no different than your life of prayer. How many times have the Bible said, submit your worries to him in prayer? And every time you submit it to him, not long after that, the devil begins to whisper in your ears and says, did God really actually hear your prayers? I think you should do a little bit more worrying because, you know, after all, that's really going to do some success for you. And you just pick it back up again. Because it's a lack of faith in God. It's a lack of faith in his promises. And notice what is implied by not accepting forgiveness. It is as if somehow my sin is greater than the blood of Christ. Somehow God's Forgiveness can't, I mean, it can be extended. I can believe for forgiveness for all these other people. And you know what? There's some people that will even preach forgiveness, will share scriptures of forgiveness, share it on their Instagram stories, share it on Facebook, share it on all these different platforms, even tell the lost about God's forgiveness. And you go home and you don't believe the very message you've proclaimed. That's not the will of God for our lives. He wants us to live in victory. Now, I get that there's hard times, no doubt. And there is a battle sometimes. But by and large, at the end of the day, victory is promised. Victory is promised. And notice notice right here in the text, it doesn't say, blessed is the one whose transgression feels forgiven. Or blessed is a man who feels forgiven. That's not what it says. Blessed is a man who is in fact forgiven. You know, there's a there's there's millions of un, uh, unsaved people, uh, lost people today that are not saved, are not forgiven, and yet think they are. They think they're going to heaven. There's many that are corrupt and wicked, and they think themselves to be good people. But you know, the interesting thing is you can be a Christian and feel as if you're not forgiven and, and so be forgiven. Amen? Amen. And it says, whose sin is covered. Here's our options. The Lord forgives and he covers but that implies that we first uncover. 
if we don't uncover by default, we're covering it. And, and sometimes it's going to require pain for, for us to uncover what the Lord wants to cover. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says a man that, that covers his sin will not prosper. Sometimes, like, no one even knows about it. So it's not like, it, 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 a lot of times the pain comes when the, the, the things that you've committed are so traumatizing and you want to ignore it. You want to just forget about it and you say, you know what, I, I don't even want to bring that up to God because it requires too much emotional strength. It requires too much emotional energy that I don't have in the moment and I'm not willing to bring this to him. And what happens is your heart begins to decay and how do we know this? Because we'll read not long after in verse three, he says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. He says, through my groaning all day long for night, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. You know, sometimes when we're walking with the Lord, when you're lacking in strength, it is often due to your unwillingness to uncover your sin and bring it to the throne of grace. The Bible says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace, not shamefully, not uh, haphazardly, not, not, you know, not uh, with reluctance or with, with great um, fear, even though we, we're to fear in a reverential way. It says, come boldly. You know, it's kind of like this 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 wonderful relationship that a child has with his father, a father that's not abusive. You know, like my son, he 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 has great confidence in his relationship with me to come to me. Not irreverently, but you know, boldly. Because he knows that I love him. But he says, Come to the throne of grace boldly that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in our time of need. So grace is not mercy. And I know that people often say grace is unmerited favor. That's, that's really not what grace is. Grace is empowerment to live holy. Grace is empowerment to live holy. And grace is the gift of God on our life. It's, it comes from the Greek word kadis. And if you do a word study, you, you'll, you'll find that that's, that's accurate. But we, we've come to him, his throne of grace, boldly that we may obtain mercy as well. And as we do so, we will find the grace to live an empowered life. But what happens is when we don't, we become weak. You know, sometimes it's not always spiritual warfare. Sometimes it's as simple as there are some things that you have not brought before the Lord, and that is why you cannot get anywhere. That is why you are weak. That is why you struggle. That is why you don't live victoriously. That is why you don't have joy. If the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I say that I lack strength, notice the Bible says that the joy of the Lord 
is my strength. Not my joy is my strength. His joy. And joy. the only way I can unlock joy is to live in such a manner that brings joy to my father's heart. So it's joy in the things of God. That Therein lies my strength. And if I have uh, access to that joy, that is what empowers me. That's what gives me strength. But guess what? All hell can break through through in your life. Everybody can hate you and talk about you and still have joy. You know, it, in um there were some old Puritans, you know, I I heard um you know in a sermon once that they, they were going to be martyred. They had families. And they said and they were going to be martyred in three days. And they would yell, they said, three days until we'll see the king in all his glory. Three days until we'll see the king in his glory. See, that's not fake. That's not theatrics. That's not fake it until you make it stuff. You know, there's some people that Christ is all they have. And so he's, they, he's more precious to their soul. <laughs> than anything else in this life. They have no worldly crutches or any supports in this life. All they have is Jesus. All they have is Christ. And so they have benefits that us, that the majority of Christians do not have. <clears throat> I believe it was Watchman Nee, if I'm not mistaken, was thrown in an insane asylum. It might have been some other man other Asian believer, but he was thrown in a sane asylum because at the university campus, when he got saved, he kept having these sporadic shouts of joy. He was hallelujah. And he would shout sporadically. You think, you think you intended on faking that stuff? You don't fake that. You live it. But he got thrown in a sane asylum and there got educated by God because all he had and all he was able to do was read the Bible. But he wasn't insane. So that this world is insane, it's flipped upside down. And so when someone's turned right side up, they think you're crazy. The world is out of their mind. They think you can be born a male and choose yourself to be a rabbit or a female or, you know, a, a horse or whatever they want to be. It defies logic. The world is out of their mind. And a lot of the a lot of lukewarm churches out of their mind too. They want to play stupid ping pong and all this other stuff and try to pretend like they got God's joy, but they don't. Not that there's anything wrong with ping pong, but you get the point, you know. I, <laughs> I heard Raven Hill said, he says, you know, you know, in the Old Testament, you have the, you know, the first court, second court, you know, the, you know, in, in the Holy of Holies. And now we have the tennis court, the basketball court and the sanctuary. <laughs> you have to get through the tennis court and the basketball court just to get into the sanctuary. <laughs> Whereas in the Old Testament, you had to get into the inner court, the outer court, you know, the outer court, the inner court and the Holy of Holies. But um, not that I 
not that basketball courts are wrong. It's just if we don't value the courts of the Lord above basketball courts, that's when we have a problem. You know, David says, I long for the courts of the Lord. That I may dwell in his presence. I may bask in the glory of God. That I may be enveloped in his beauty and all his grace. That's what was David's That's That's what his heart's desire was. I long to be with Christ. You know, I, I remember when I first got saved. You know, um, I just, it was the most wonderful thing. And this, this smile that you just could not erase, you know, just captured my face. You know, I was telling my wife the other day that I remember when I was, I got saved and I was in high school. <laughs> oh man, Jesus changed me like for real. Like I used to be, you know, I used to hit licks and do all that stuff and big thief and, you know, go to homes and steal stuff and all that. And so when the Lord changed me, I remember I rejoiced because there's a high school student that asked me for $2 and I had $2 in my pocket. I was like, yes, I got happy that I was able to give to someone and they're like, and they're like, you got two bucks? I like, hey, I don't know what they were asking it for, but I remember I was so happy. Like I was, I was like stunned, like, I got to do that. I was like, wow, it feels good to be a Christian. And I remember the first day, well, actually, when I got saved, three times, you know, I was told twice by unbelievers. That there was a radiance, there was a glow around my face. I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And I remember some dude I partied with like weeks before, right? I go to high school. I see him in the office enrolling. And I'm enrolling now, like for, for so, after so long not being in school because I got kicked out of so many. We partied like weeks before I got saved. I didn't get a haircut or anything. He said, bro, so what's different about you? And this is before I even opened my mouth. He says, what's different about you? You look different. I said, it's Jesus, man. <laughs> it's Jesus. I got saved. He's like, whoa, this is crazy. You look so different. My countenance went from darkness to light. Blessed is the man. I had blessedness on my face. Hallelujah. It's not faking. It's not faking until you make it. It's a living reality. A living reality. To be enveloped by the living Christ. The, the living Christ. <clears throat> For when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat, uh, as by the heat of summer. You know, I, I don't know how hot it gets in uh, some of your countries. But California heat sucks. 
And I, I hear that Miami's even worse. You know, uh, you know, the humidity and stuff like that. Try Alabama. Uh I don't you like Cali? Well, I just put it this way. California does suck, and especially because he's fires right now. It's just ridiculous, man. But the point, though, is if you work out in summer, you know, and if you got this really, really dry heat, you can sap your strength. In fact, if you get, you know, sunburn and all that stuff, um, it, it saps your strength. But notice the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was was upon David day and night. You know why? What it meant is God's hand, he can lift you up, but he also can apply pressure on you and put you down. And say, you're going down, man. I'm going to put your face in the dirt. And I say, oh, Jesus doesn't do that. Oh, yes, he does. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3 that it's good that a man would be would feel grief for his sins. It says that the Lord not only casts down, but his hands also make whole. So the Lord casts down. Read in Lamentations chapter 3. So you're mistreating people. The Lord will remove your strength and make his hand hard-pressed against you. Not because he hates you. If we don't humble ourselves, the Bible says, you humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand, and he will lift you up. But that mighty hand that is able to lift up, if you don't humble yourselves, will humble you. Amen. And you know, it's like it's like Nebuchadnezzar. For a while, he thought in his in the pride of his countenance, he thought... That all was well, he said, and then, and you know, he got a word and, and, and he ended up saying, look, look at all that my hands had performed for me. And then a year later, you know, he, the Lord humbled him, man, like gave him the mind of a beast and he began to eat grass and do all this crazy stuff. And then uh, some time later, his mind was restored to him. And I can just imagine the Lord pointing with his finger, uh, uh, uh. Kind of like Jurassic Park. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever seen that. I just I often laugh at that. I'm sorry, guys. But I, I imagine the Lord saying, no, that's not happening. Humble ourselves. And when I find that when we humble ourselves, it's a whole lot better than the Lord humbling us. I'd, I'd rather humble myself. But you know what? Even when the Lord humbles us, you know what I love about the Lord? He humbles us without humiliating us. He humbles us without humiliating us. And he praises us without flattering us. I love that about the Lord. But his strength was dried up. But notice, this was the cure. He says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you. I don't know if you guys remember being a kid and, you know, you did something naughty and you're like, I don't know who did it. You're not acknowledging what you did. 
See, the, the, the sooner you acknowledge, the sooner God's blessings will flow into your life. There's that acknowledgement. The Lord knows you know. The, the proverb says that. Does not the Lord know and, and test the hearts? What's the use of hiding? You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you want that? Or do you want to go in the promised land already? We we could have gotten there a long time already. We we, we could have gotten there a long time ago. But you want to wander. You want to keep moving and doing things your own way. You know, I've I've met some brothers, man. They, you know, they sadly, they, or even sisters, they forfeit. And I want to say forfeited because, and you know, the the gifts and callings of God are, are irrevocable. But I, I've seen some people do some very devastating moves and they postpone the blessings of God on their life as a result of it. And you feel like, man, dude, just get it right. Because you want to see other people walk in, in their in their calling. You want to see other people walk in the plans and purposes that God have for you. You know, I, I've met brothers who come out of prison being institutionalized for so many years and they don't know how to function. And they get saved in there. And because they, they, they can't break that habit, they end up doing something stupid to go right back. Because it's all they know. But the Lord is wanting to teach us things that we don't know. Amen. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. He didn't say to a man. He didn't say to a priest. He didn't say to the you know archbishop with the oily hands. He says, <laughs> he said to the Lord, I will confess my sins to the Lord, and he will forgive my sin. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The Bible says this again in the Psalms that God is a God that is ready to forgive. That's what the word says. He is ready. If I told you you're ready to go to Six Flags or you're ready to go to your favorite, you know, restaurant, you know what it means to be ready. You're already prepared. Your purpose is to go toward that direction. God is ready to forgive. Are you ready to be forgiven is the question. Have you prepared yourself by confessing your sins, by uncovering your sins to the Lord? But you know what? Some A lot of times, look, I'm going to say this. Confessing your sin is not always without pain. Because what I've learned over the years is that if you grieve the heart of God, he will grieve your heart. He will allow you to feel what you have caused to pain his heart. You know how they often cite weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know why he wept for a night? You know why David wept for a night? Because of his sin. 
And so if you're truly born of the Spirit of God, a lot of times the blessings of forgiveness do not flow until you've confessed your sin before the Lord all night. And it's not that it takes all night to be forgiven, but rather the emotional trauma that comes as a result of your sin often lasts for an entire night because you need to cry it out. You need to weep it out. You need to feel the heart of God because it's not, it's not this easy transaction. I, I confess and I'm forgiven. Now, thank you. Bye. I'm going to sin for the rest of my week. No, the Lord wants what when you when you lay on him your burden of sin, he lays on you the burden of his grief. Not to pay you back, but so you learn something. So you will learn. I'm not doing this again. This hurts too much. This hurts. See, the Lord will allow the grief that is filled in his heart as the result of your sin against him to be more overpowering than the sin, than the pain that is caused uh, uh, from you living without the sin. Because sometimes it's not the thing itself that is so bad, but it's the way that you've abused certain things in your life. Like relationships. It's not relationships are bad, but then you can take and you can fornicate. You're not married. And you've abused what was intended for good. And in the pain of 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 of, of not of being without that, God will cause a greater pain to come for you uh for, you know as a result of you contributing to that. And here what David says, verse 6, he says, therefore, whenever there's a therefore, you know, they say, ask what is therefore. It's a transitionary term. In light of all that has been said previously, now this, now hear what I'm about to say. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Recall that the, the the context here is forgiveness of sins. So the prayer that is being offered is not just any prayer. It's a prayer for forgiveness. So what does this say? That a godly man and a godly woman can and has and will pray for forgiveness. Just because you have sinned doesn't mean you're an ungodly reprobate. Doesn't mean that you're a castaway. Doesn't mean that you you you, you don't know God. To be godly means you have God. That's what godliness is. Ungodliness means if I say there's an ungodly court or an ungodly system, that means that that God is not in it. But a godly man is not a perfect man. I can still be imperfect and have God in my life. That is not an excuse for my sin. But what it is to suggest is that because of God, I therefore pray. Because of God, I feel sorrowful. Because of God, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate this. Like Paul says, who who will deliver me from this body of decay and corruption? There's this 
filthy, this luggage on me I want to rid myself of. And, 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 and the Lord empowers me to, to defy it. And, and it. and I grow weary sometimes. It's hard to resist. It's hard to discipline myself. But brothers and sisters, come in a time when we shall uh, take this off entirely, and he will give us a new body, not susceptible to weariness, not susceptible to sin and fatigue and tiredness and loneliness, pain and heartache. Amen. Like the Bible says in the book of Revelation, it says, then, then, you know, then the new order of things have come. <laughs> I've reminded myself of this passage so many times. There will be no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears. For the old order of things have passed away. Behold, all have been made new. That is my hope. In, in the book of, of Romans, it says that even we with the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan in these bodies, longing to be clothed with immortality, longing to be clothed with a new body. I know some of us that go to the gym, that's probably not that great of a, a blessing to you that have some confidence in the flesh. I'm circumcised on the eighth day with the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews. I got my protein and I'm at the top of my class. <laughs> Those promises don't sound so good and rewarding. But I, I think to the elderly and to the age, and like my back, I got to go to this doctor's appointment. You know, it kind of sounds more appealing to us. And God help us to believe. God help us to long. God help us to yearn to have that new body you know when you felt your sin long enough you say oh lord i i I can't wait there's been times in my prayers i've said god just i would love to just go now not because you know i'm i'm such this uh, you know super saint but sometimes life gets very painful and sometimes you're like Elijah, you're anointed of God. And he said, the journey ahead of me is too long. Am I any greater than my father's? Lord, just, I want to die. And I'd be a liar to say I've never been in that place. And if it ever comes for you, you're able to have more sympathy for those that have grown weary of this journey. We're described as pilgrims and sojourners. The Bible says this is not our home. You know, it's a blessed place to be in. <clears throat> because it's a terrible place to say, you know, I, I really love all that this world is offering me. I, I don't and not even in a sinful way, like in the sense of, you know, I want to go clubbing and all this other stuff, but life is good. I've, I got married. I have my kids. I have my home. I paid it off. I'm not in debt. I have my dream career. Things are going good. I can even tithe. Look, 10%. It's better than when I was a no good for nothing addict, right? We begin to rationalize like that, but not knowing that slowly lukewarmness is creeping in 
and you're not as passionate as you once were. And these these sort of sermons of forgiveness no longer move your heart like they used to. Like, I want to hear about the blessings. David is saying this is the blessing. We never graduate from our gratitude and and, and thankfulness toward the Lord with regards to his forgiveness of us. I'm reminded, man, I I was a convict on God's death row. And you were too. I was on death row. And in the you know, to imagine the old executioner seat, I'm I'm being seated in his executioner seat. And the lever is about to pull. And right before it's about to pull, Jesus says, Stop. I will sit in that place for him. I will take the blow. Because I love that man, that convict in that seat. I love him. And I want him in my family. I want him. And he calls you. He calls you by name. Now, I, lo- I love this song. It says, you know, the, the father not only wants to hear you say his name, He wants you to hear him say yours. And I believe that. He says he called um, uh, Abram or Avram in Hebrew, Abraham. He let him know, like it says in Revelation, I will give them a new name. Right? He wants to call you by name. The, The Bible says that he calls us by name. But his love caused him to sit in that executioner seat and die an excruciating death on the cross. And while you were out clubbing, while you were out drinking, while you're out fornicating, I can hear the, 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 the Jesus's words, forgive them father, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You know what? They they will reach. They will reach those wretched Egyptians. (laughs) They're not going to reach us. And I say wretched. I really mean it. Not that the race is inherently wretched. It's the people of old because they defied God were wretched and they're coming to pursue you. But God says, nope, I'm going to allow it to enclose on them, but not on my people. And he says, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Shouts of deliverance. Deliverance from what? Deliverance from sin. Deliverance from its bondage. Deliverance from the devil. Deliverance from it all. Jesus is a mighty rescuer. He's a mighty savior. You know that song, uh, he's mighty to save. He is mighty to save. 
forever, author of salvation. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. He conquered the grave, man, and he's mighty to save. Hallelujah. But he surrounds us with those shouts of deliverance. That's why I don't care if my, my, I, my, my voice sucks. Because, you know, he, he, he put a praise in my heart. <laughs> he, he put, a, ble- he put a, a, a worship in my soul. He put a praise in my heart. I'm no longer bound. I mean, if we really began to view the reality of what God has done for our hearts, what he's done for our lives, and how we were uh, going to pay the penalty of death in full, and Jesus says, I have it may cause them to become exempt from that wrath. I will take it all. And we begin to see it more and more. And we begin to relish in it. We, we find a, a joy and a praise despite our circumstances, despite what we go through. I, I hope that that still moves your heart. I pray that that moves your heart still. God's forgiveness, his love shed abroad in the heart through the Holy Spirit has been given unto you. When you were, you were nothing, when everybody uh, double-crossed you, some of us were locked up. Some of us lived hard in lives. Some of us were abused. And God said, I'm going to pull this man out of his misery. I'm going to pull this woman out of their misery. I don't know about you, man, but I, I don't I serve a living Jesus that really does rescue. That really does set free. That really does give joy. That really does bless. That really does satisfy. That really does rescue. The really he really does defend. He protects and he consoles and he comforts and he makes me feel special. He makes me feel loved. He makes me feel cared for because he does care and he does love and he does long to deliver. That's my Christ. That's my Jesus, and I know him. And he's real, man. And the times that I've blown it, the times that you've blown it, there he comes. He knocks on the door, and he says, will you open again? I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to pardon. I'm willing to make whole. I'm willing to restore you. Are you willing Hallelujah. I preach out of my pain, man. I know how it feels to sin against Jesus, to sin against the Lord. He comes again, and, he, and, he's, and he's like how he was with Peter. He didn't disown him. He remembers him. And he calls him back to his purpose, to the call of God on his life. 
Hallelujah. Notice verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Why is he now talking about instruction? Because you sinned. We sinned. Out of ignorance. And we need to be taught to stop doing those stupid things. So after he forgives us, he doesn't just want to leave us in a place of forgiveness without instruction. He says, I'm going to teach you. And you know what? Some of these lessons are going to be hard. It's going to be painful. They're going to come out of cost. Sorry, it's not an easy exam. We'll fill in the bubble, multiple choice, right or wrong answers. <laughs> You don't get the luxury of learning from a whiteboard or a chalkboard. Now how he, he, he teaches you sometimes? Pain. He throws you in the fire. You're praying to get out of the fire, and he's saying, no, I'm going to put you in there. <clears throat> I'm going to refine you. Next year, you're not going to be doing these things anymore. And I will make sure of it. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. <clears throat> you think that the, the Israelites wanted to pass through the waters? I'm sure, you know, they're seeing, I don't know how high. It's probably like a hundred foot high, like tension of water, right? And they were probably scared. Seeing all these Egyptians pursuing them by chariot and horses. It's like, why couldn't you just translate me like you did? Like, what was it, Philip the Evangelist in the book of Acts? Like, why couldn't you just translate us? That would have been a whole lot easier for us, right? Or why'd you even allow us to go into Egypt in the first place? You know, so many things that they could have said. <laughs> yeah, transport. <clears throat> Teleport, transport. Um, but the point though is this, that the Lord often has us go through some pretty hard routes, some very difficult routes. And as you get to that destination, the Lord is teaching you things as you get there. He's teaching you a lot of things. He's teaching us trust. He's teaching us reliance. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. You know, sometimes the Lord's not even speaking. He just has his eye on us and he's watching. What are they going to do? And you're saying, God, you know, I can't hear you. It's because sometimes he has spoken to us things that we, we need to obey. He's already spoken to us about. And he says, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So either we discipline ourselves and we humble ourselves or the Lord will bridle us. It says, get over here, you're coming near me. You know, when the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked, and for those of you in this group, do not be unequally yoked. 
and I, 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 I want to say that that's a, that's a prophetic word. Even now you need to let go of anyone that's not a Christian. You cannot manage your sin. You got to cut it off. Jesus didn't say manage. But when you're unequally yoked, what happens is when the when there's an when there's an older ox, they unequally yoke it with the younger ox. And the younger ox, since it got more energy, wants to get ahead of the older ox and it keeps straining its neck until it learns I can't move beyond this older ox. That's what happens when you're in ungodly relationships. You're saying, come to church. Let us read our Bibles. As if that's going to save them. And then you report it to your Christian friends, like all like, you know, with glee and happiness, like, hey, guess what? You know, he reads the Bible too. And really, you're just manipulating him to read the Bible, and he don't want to read it. He don't love Jesus. But you're trying to convince everybody, you know, that he's someone that he's not. And the Lord knows. And you're going to continue to strain your neck as a result of it. Stop straining your neck. They're going to cause you so many heartaches. But what happens is the Lord, he's not allow us to go ahead of us. He's, he's the older ox, so to speak, that is wise. So you're not going where you want to go. I've paid a high price on you. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, it's interesting. Ain't it interesting how how sometimes, you know, the world runs after idols, you know, they, they parade, you know, their idols. They don't even know them. And they will pay their homage to their favorite artists. The artists don't care about them. They don't even know them. And yet a God who knows you, you turn your back on him. And even after you turn your back on him, he still wants to get to know us. Verse 10, it says, many are the sorrows of the wicked. You know how he delivers us from Egypt, from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. And we see the, the sorrow that the wicked have. Their lives are miserable. They don't know what love is. They're blind. And yet, somehow the Lord does great things in our lives, and then we begin to entertain the thought of going back. How easily we forget. Do we not remember those drunken nights vomiting and everyone abandoned you laughing and putting, you know, on YouTube or something? The stinginess of, of so-called friends. You know, I remember when I used to get high and all that stuff and use all my money for drugs and then 
smoke everybody out or whatever and then they had money left over i like hey, you know like like let's go get something in they're like what are you talking about bro grimy double crossing one another and then yet we complain because brother so-and-so didn't shake our hand it's like what He didn't react to my story. She didn't react. I don't like the way he posted that scripture. How dare he? I don't like the way she's singing. Like, notice how we, you know, people become nitpicky. It's like, I mean, do do we forget where we come from? I know the church has its problems. And when I and then and I, I get that there's legitimate concerns. There's, you know, lukewarm churches, churches that have backslidden, churches that are corrupt, like legitimately corrupt. They're preaching a false gospel. They're preaching a watered down gospel. I get it. But the true church, with all its imperfections. You know, someone may not be of the same temperament as you. They may not, they, you know, they may not smile when you smile. They may not, you know, they may not be all girly or they, they, you know, they may have certain ways to them. Or this brother, you know, is very uh, calm and collected and, you know, and, and his, his voice is kind of annoying, you know, or stuff like that. And, and, and do we dare get nitpicky over that stuff? When the Lord has placed us in a family of people that I actually love, you know, I was, I was talking to someone recently. I said, just because I don't like someone doesn't mean I don't love them. And just because I love someone, you know, just because I like someone doesn't mean I love them. There, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of people in the world. I'm like, man, you're like a really cool guy, but I don't love you. Like, for real, I don't, I'm not talking about, like, the general agape love, like, how we're supposed to love our neighbor. I'm talking about, like, with an affectionate love. Like, you know, you're, like, you're a really good friend of mine sort of love. <clears throat> and the reason why is because there's certain people you like in the flesh that you got to keep your distance from. Because you know their values are off. But many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. You know, Psalms and Proverbs are often like that. It says that, you know, a wicked man tells lies, but a righteous man speaks the truth. There's a, It always has a, a you know, kind of like a it, lack of better words, like a synonym and an antonym, and, you know, a positive and a negative. So the, it's contrasting the wicked man that has sorrows who doesn't trust the Lord versus the man who does trust the Lord and he's blessed. The wicked man doesn't trust God, and as a result of that, has sorrows. Like the man who trusts in his money, the Bible says they pain themselves with many sorrows because they trust money, and those gods will always fail you. They will always fail you. The gods of marriage, the gods of, of relationship, the gods of money, the gods of TV, the gods of whatever, the gods of Instagram of fame, the, the gods of whatever. You fill in the blank. 
the gods of, of self-satisfaction, self-pleasure, self-congratulation, the gods of YouTube, the, the, like Jarvis said, the gods of bodybuilding, gods of image. Now you're anorexic. You, you keep starving yourself. Because you're, you're 100 pounds and yet you still say, I'm fat. Who's telling you that? It's that God you believe that's a heavy taskmaster that tells you enough is never enough. That's why these guys look like monsters in, in the gym taking steroids or 300 pounds of muscle, nasty veins popping out and look like Hulk. And they it, enough is never enough. That's what the gods preach. It's a works-based gospel. Jesus says, it is enough. It's finished. You can rest. And that's what gives joy to our hearts. Final verse, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. <clears throat> so let us be glad in the Lord. Let us rejoice in him. Let us uh, find satisfaction in him. Let us throw off every weight that hinders and the sins that so easily entangle. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked before us. Because Jesus, our high uh, priest, he's gone before us and he showed us the way. And he promised to be with us. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He promised that you to keep us company in times of loneliness. I promise that he satisfies. He promises great and precious promises. But will our hearts believe? Or will our hearts sing down in disbelief and dread? Fear. Say, you know what, God, I, I'm going to do my own thing. I guess I just, I can't do this anymore. And brother and sister, I just plead with you by the mercies of God to not run after what the wicked run after. It's not greener on the other side. It's not more pleasing on the other side. Will the Lord forgive? Yes. But it will come at a cost. The cost might be very many sleepless nights. A lot of heartache. And a long process of restoration. God forgives overnight. But he often doesn't restore overnight. Look at how long it has taken from Adam's sin to bring about the new man. Thousands of years later. 
So I, I want us to close in prayer. Father, can I ask that you would open our eyes? Lord, open up our hearts wide. Open up our eyes, God, we pray. Father, I ask of you in the mighty name of Jesus that you would just begin to move in this place. God, I ask that you would touch every heart, that you would touch every soul, you touch every mind. Lord, help us to know ourselves to be blessed if having been forgiven of you, Lord. May it be sweet uh, honey to our lips to know, Lord God, the great depths you have gone to, Lord, to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us of our wickedness, to forgive us of our unrighteousness, Lord. Father, I pray that you would do a great work in our heart even now. God, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would begin to cleanse, that you would begin to forgive, you would begin to pardon our iniquity, pardon our transgressions, forgive our sin, Lord, heal our land. God, restore our hearts, we pray. Empower our hearts that we may live holy. Father, help us not to run after false gods that do not satisfy. Father, help us, Lord, not to be like the people in Jeremiah that hewn out for themselves broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The water just keeps falling through and falling through and falling through and falling through. Enough's never enough. We constantly thirst again. So Holy Spirit, would you just begin to administer peace to your people? Father God, would you just begin to administer joy to your people? Would you begin, Lord God, to remove the scales from off their eyes and from their hearts, Lord? I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that the things that used to bind them before, Lord God, will no longer bind them. Father God, the sins that held them captive before, Father, give them strength to overcome. Father God, the false gods that have, have uh, of, of, of sex and, and money and all these other things that have promised them things that has failed to uh, uh, contribute, has failed to deliver on the promise it had given, Lord God, I pray that every lie would come crumbling down, that we would no longer believe those lies, that we'd begin to believe, Father, your word that you actually satisfy Holy Spirit, change our hearts, Father. Mold us, shape us, teach us, as David said, in the way that you want us to go. Instruct us, O great rabbi. Spirit of God, I pray that you that you would touch us even now. And I pray that you would begin to speak to us, Lord, regarding what we should do and how we should conduct ourselves. Educate us, God. Educate us, O God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome amongst us, Lord. We want to fellowship with you, minister to your people. Oh, sweet Holy Spirit. You're so gentle. So kind. Hallelujah, I feel your presence, Lord. I feel your presence. I just want you guys to continue to 
was just wait on Jesus. Wait on Jesus. His hands are here to make whole. He's here to restore. He's here to bind up the the hearts of those that are broken. And he's saying, I'm here to forgive. I'm here to wash. I'm here to make whole. There's a song that says, uh, gentle hands holding on to me. Gentle hands guiding me so carefully. Though they lead me down through paths, I may not always understand. I will have no fear for I'm in gentle hands. Gentle hands holding on to me. Gentle hands guiding me so carefully. Though they lead me down through paths, I will not always understand. I will have no fear, for I'm in gentle hands. There is no more fear in the Father's hands. You don't have to fear, for you're in gentle hands. Thank you, Lord, for those gentle hands. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Thankful for you guys having come out. Um, God bless you. Um, I, I did want to hold on let me just 